0: Yeah, you can have a spreadsheet and you can like put categories in mint or whatever. But at the end of the day, you look at your banking app and you see what the number is and that's what you look at, right? That's what everyone does. So his thing is like, just don't try to like work around that. Just lean into it and make your accounts such that like your money moves out into a separate place where you can't touch it. So that whenever you look at your balance in your spend account, like you can just spend it.
1: One characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was Grit. And we're back. Oh, we got a fancy new podcast tool. Yeah, we're trying. Well, I guess we're cheating on Squadcast with Riverside right now. So it's not that fancy because in approximately 58 minutes, this is going <laughs> to completely cut off like the free version of Zoom. We've been running long. So this is a perfect constraint where the free trial will only give us 60 minutes to record. One of these times it's going to bite us. It's going <laughs> to, we're going to be in a good segment and then. Gone. Yeah. Well, whatever. Hopefully this records okay. Yeah, this looks pretty good.
0: Ooh, what was that? Don't worry, it was just my ginger beer that I'm drinking.
1: Oh, lame. Ginger Mm. beer.
0: It is good, though. I prefer Barrett's brand. Mm. It's like kind of an ugly can, but
1: it's extremely good. Yeah, I have... I think it's a cab. Something happened in the last year, I think, where I've just like completely something changed. And I can only drink like one, maybe two beers or else I'll feel terrible the next day. I think you have the same problem. Oh, yeah. That's been my <laughs> so, story for a few years. It's, it's so, yeah. so sad. Like I used to be able to do cocktails. Like I could do like you know, on a long night, like if it was a long night, I could do like four cocktails or whatever. If it's a short, you know, like hour or two, like two is my max. But even those, like I don't feel great the next day. And wine doesn't seem to faze me. I can just I can go to town on the wine just bottle service okay
0: perfect we'll get real real tension tonight (laughs) on bottles deep yeah i still don't really do much wine for some reason not like anti it. i just never really do i mean maybe you're just not like classy enough you know yeah i don't think i'm highfalutin enough i need like
1: some more golf clubs as in there you go clubs there you go more than zero (laughs) so yeah i think we're gonna do like a, a little bit of a new try a new format today, like slightly new, not that new, but maybe this will be terrible. Maybe this will happen once, but we thought we'd change it up and try something new.
0: Kind of carrying on from last episode where we just kind of rambled about Twitter, but a little more structured, I guess.
1: Yeah. When you mentioned that to me today, I had the exact same, like at some point in the last week, I've had the exact same thought of like, why don't we just like discuss, you know, kind of random topics. It could be like things that like recent events or whatever things on Twitter or like whatever topic, you know, that kind of comes at us and we just like discuss it. It could be anything. Instead of trying to focus on one particular thing that we talk about the whole time and ramble. So anyways, and we figured we'd just start out with like a little update. I don't even know if we have one, but the only update I really have is that and I posted on Twitter today, but we had our first deal close that was not me. In the business today, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's all downhill from here, like autopilot mode, but yeah, that was pretty cool, pretty exciting, and I'm excited to see where that goes, and interested to see like one thing I have noticed is that i'm I still get that like need to like even though I'm like not supposed to be doing stuff like, hey, I've handed this off to you, I'm like every time I hear anything about a deal, I'm like, I want to get involved, I don't know if it's to like control it or if it's just like oh it's not going to be done exactly how i would do it or if it's just like i like doing it i'm not sure what it is it's but all i definitely have probably yeah i mean i've always had that problem I, like i had that problem when i was at our last company when i was managing the reps and it was fine for a while because you know it was only like you know like 3 reps or something that i was managing once it got to like you know 5 to 7 reps then it's like you like can't possibly do that anymore Then it starts to like hurt you. But it's awesome to like have revenue come in and not be the one that had to do anything on it. So I'm really excited about that. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Nothing Nothing has changed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, but I I think there's probably a future. I mean, I think I know we've hit on that before, but the general topic of like moving from contributor to manager or, or however you want to frame that, that's something that is recurring and is something I've been thinking a lot about too. And I think parsing out what the feelings are is interesting to look at and inspect a little more closely about, is it something you enjoy? And like, guess what? You get to design your job and you can design it so that you can do some of the stuff you enjoy. Because I see people, I'm going to reference DHH, even though he's not exactly popular these days right now, but he's someone who like still writes code, but also is obviously a co-founder of a very large company, you know, revenue wise and a modest, I mean, modestly large for our scale headcount wise so like it can be done if you choose to do it and so the question is like there's always debates about like you shouldn't do that or you should do that or just do whatever you want or so maybe we can hit that again in a few months when you and i are unemployed or something
1: (laughs) our particular sale is not well a lot of our sales are not super complex some of them are more complex like more traditional sales cycles. But I'd say for the most part, probably, I don't know, 50 to 70% of our sales are very, I don't want to say easy, but just like there's not a ton that you have to do strategically to get it done. And it closes within a fairly, like it's a quick sales cycle. You know, like a more complex deal is going to be at least 30 days, potentially much longer than that. Our, I would say, you know, again, like 50 to 70% of the time, it's like, we'll close something in seven to 14 days. So it's not super complex, it does make it a little bit easier to hand it off to someone so they can, you know, get up and running quick. But yeah, you know, I think we're in a good place to like, do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, in those smaller amount of deals that do start to get more complex, I'll probably get involved a little bit, at least in the, you know, near term. And then, you know over time hopefully that person picks up on a lot of that stuff and can take those deals to close as well. Yeah, I guess on my side we're going through it's sort of a little bit different because
0: I'm still writing code and stuff to some extent and reviewing a lot of code, reading a lot of code. But similar transition or sort of like phase because we have two other people besides me writing code. So like today for example, I did a write up of the last work cycle. So on a psychological note that was nice to do because We work in four-week chunks, and I find it to be like, we can get a fair amount done but not get completely lost and feel too detached from what we're doing. But it is still easy to forget what you did four weeks ago. Like, So looking back at it and writing up a quick recap of the stuff we did, it's like, oh, we did a lot. Because you can get bogged down on what you're stuck in right now, and it feels like you're just stuck. But you're like, oh, actually, we've gotten a lot done. And I think in our case, too, in a good way, we typically try to like under allocate plan project work to give space for like, oh, we uncovered some tech debt here or customer reported a bug here. Cause that's something that always bothered me in the past when we've had like more rigid sprint style stuff where you can't, it becomes like this extreme, it's an uphill battle to incorporate like some P1 hair on fire bug because everyone's afraid they're not going to like finish their project and get credit for it or something, which is not something I personally really subscribe to but the flip side of that is that sometimes it feels like you're not shipping everything like you only have a few projects planned and so we need to be better about surfacing those things that we ship we're getting better at it but surfacing the things that were not planned so that you don't forget that you did them because that's the part that you miss if you allow space is like what did I do during that space so but yeah I've been thinking a lot about similar things of like more of my time has been spent in code review and in like shaping out the projects and doing follow-up on different things and having pairing sessions about different issues and stuff. And it feels awesome to also have people like fixing code that I wrote five years ago or like taking things that are old and very basic and making them better with all the stuff we've learned and all the stuff that other people have to offer in terms of development. So that's super fun. But then, yeah, it's like I'm definitely not... Able to just like disappear into a hole and like write code for four hours. So that part is like, it's sort of a mixed bag of feelings, but there's your episode title for you. But yeah, so (laughs) anyway, but that's it. Yeah, we did a bunch of infrastructure and ops stuff, which is really good. And a lot of that stuff has not changed literally since five years ago for the most part. So it feels like (laughs) a lot of catch up to do there, but it paid off. So literally paid off because we cut our Amazon bill by a massive amount as well. So
1: boom. There we go.
0: So, with that, we're talking about.
1: All right. Well, yeah, we can jump into the.
0: Yeah. So we have PTI
1: PTI style. Yeah. Do you
0: want to do? I was thinking five minutes, but now I'm thinking,
1: four minutes. Maybe we do four minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I don't know what'll happen there, but, I guess we could roll into the first one, which is kind of like, somewhat similar to what we just talked about.
0: Oh well, the first one was. I don't know what list you're looking at.
1: What was the first one? I'm not even looking at a list. I just <laughs> remember talking about that one. No, I mean, so like basically, it's sort of like a question of like, when is the right time to hire? Like, if you have the type of business where it makes sense to have salespeople, you know, it's not like completely like product led growth, then what's the right time to hire a salesperson in your business? And this kind of comes from a tweet from Tyler tringus. Where he was talking about I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he was talking about like hiring salespeople and how much like you know obviously the founders should sell things at first so that they like get feedback from customers and sort of also can sort of like get a feel for that sales cycle and the process and all that kind of stuff. but his thought was that companies should wait till they get to like around a million dollars before they hire a salesperson or like an account executive that's actually like closing things. And his reasoning was that pre 1 million in revenue, like you're not going to be able to get a good sales rep basically because good sales reps are further along in their career and you know, good reps are never looking and that sort of thing. Right. And that like someone that would be available at that stage, like wouldn't have the like chops to like, you know, do more than just sell, which is basically like getting feedback and like being able to pull back a lot more information from those calls that aren't just did I close the deal or not kind of thing that, you know, you hope that a founder would do. So anyways, yeah, I don't know what you think, but my <laughs> address. We have one and a half minutes left. For- <laughs> okay, there we go. Just explaining. <laughs> is it after we like do the question or maybe we'll have to add another minute give to give you this two one. minutes. We get a bonus minute on this one. All right. I disagree with that heavily. I think, gosh, at our last company, the first sales hire would have probably been at like, I don't know the exact revenue number, but I want to say like 100 to 200k, maybe something around yeah, there. I think it
0: was maybe before that. Okay.
1: Yeah. And that didn't mean that like the founder was like totally out of the loop on the sales side. Like they were still involved and still doing sales. It was sort but of an like, SDR, like a hybrid. Hybrid role. Yeah. yeah. But even like the t- first true AEs after that, I mean, we weren't even at like 500K in revenue.
0: I would guess there's a qualification here. I mean, like everything, it's a tweet, so. Yeah. But (laughs) another dimension to consider is like the deal sizes, the LTV kind of, I don't know. Like if you're going to pay your salespeople a cut of, let's say monthly or annual revenue of a new customer, like presumably the deal size. If your customers are paying $10 a month, then yeah, you probably need to get, and there's churn, a lot of churn, then you probably need to get farther along. But if you have higher price points and less churn, then maybe you can start earlier, yeah,
1: or if you're funded a little bit,
0: obviously. Yeah, totally.
1: I think you do need like a specific type of person that is more willing to. I mean, you're gonna have to find someone that's young because he is right in the sense that like if you're under that amount of revenue and like you don't have you know tens of millions of dollars in funding, like you're not gonna be able to pay like a really good rep. Like, yeah, the, it has to
0: be someone who's willing to trade money for experience or exposure or
1: yeah. like pseudo founding experience or whatever yeah i think you want to find someone that's like a kind of a generalist sales hire that is like interested in more than just sales or potentially like starting their own company one day that's like what you're looking for somebody like first two or three years in their career and those people exist for sure i don't know if you could hear that beeping but did you hear that no, I didn't. I'm assuming <laughs> okay. that means we need to... Time is oh, up. Shift. Yes. Time to shift. Okay.
0: Our production setup is pretty basic right now, but... Yeah. well, we'll yeah. But I think we hit on that, yeah. So we'll try to link to these things. In the <laughs> we'll try. We'll, we'll link to it. We'll try to link to we, it. <laughs> it might be after your podcast player downloads the episode, but we will link to them. Okay, so the second one is Product Manager. So what's his name? Levels, the guy yeah. behind... like Remote Nomad okay. List and all that stuff, right? He posted a tweet about the job title product manager that it's now the fastest shrinking remote job according to like his data where he's getting remote jobs on remoteok.com so according to him he said i've been hearing people say with everyone going remote pms are not necessary anymore <laughs> and then he shows a screenshot another take in his tweet thread here is also because of the rise of product designer role which is recent and offloads
1: some responsibilities of pm so obviously there's like other factors but initial reactions i mean I could see both sides like I do think that in a lot of circumstances product managers are less like what you would think they are or what I guess you know what the job title sort of specifies and more project managers so I could totally see how like what he's saying where they're not quite as useful because like everybody's remote so like You don't really need someone, like everyone's doing things in a more asynchronous way. So like you just don't need like the middleman, like sort of just bringing everyone together. I think I kind of agree with that to some extent. But obviously there are really good product managers that are focused on the feedback side. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing the job title stuff has something to do with it. And maybe that's part of it, like remote. I mean, I would hope, I guess I'm sort of like saying this because I hope that it's true, which is I'm hopeful that companies that have reevaluated their like working defaults and are now more remote have maybe like it's imposed a new organizational structure that kind of looks more like a netflix style thing or something where it's like the small teams who work on a whole project together like you know a dedicated like developer designer you know whether that's a visual designer or product designer or both like an engineer or two and a product designer maybe that also is part of it if that's something that's happening you could see Those people being called product designers or whatever they're being called or regular just designers. And then you have fewer project managers because there's like self-organizing teams instead of like, it's a cross-functional team instead of a bunch of siloed teams that get pulled together by a PM in between. So I would hope that that happens because I mean, that's just a preference. I find it to be much more enjoyable to work that way when you can just carve off a thing and be like, hey, go build this and have the necessary resources to do that. Of course for us that's easy because our entire company is that's our entire team is that size but I don't know maybe that's part of it too but I'm sure there's a lot of product managers who have I was surprised that the tweet thread didn't or the like the replies in the in Twitter did not have a lot more pitchforks but as in any that I saw
1: maybe the product managers haven't gotten on Twitter today
0: Yeah maybe there's too many
1: product managers
0: and no one's hiring for them right now if they're remote I don't know who knows
1: All the product managers over the past 2 years have been starting their own companies and raising like you have bajillion dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah. Another thing is maybe they just saw this guy hating on product managers and decided not to post their jobs on his job board. And that's what his data looks like. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Well, on to the next. Moving right along. We have oh, I'm kind of jumping around my list, but bear with me. So let me start my timer here. Profit first, the like methodology that well, there's a book and there's a it's kind of a methodology around how to reorient your brain around business accounting and cash management so that you can make money. (laughs) I don't know. That's like the worst synopsis of that book ever, but it's a very straightforward thing. But basically the idea is like, instead of making a bunch of money, spending a bunch of money and then seeing what's left, it's like you prioritize what you want to make first so that you can put the right pressure on your expenses so that you don't walk away with nothing at the end of the day. All that to say, some recent tweets from Matt Wensing of Summit around like, he's been throwing out some cool like startup ideas for indie hackers and stuff to jump on. A lot of them obviously use his product in there somewhere. And one of them was profit first as a service. So there's some guy who's actually picking it up and supposedly building it. I joined the waitlist. I forgot what the I forgot what the website is. I'll put in the show notes. But yeah, the idea is basically like hook up summit, which is like a modeling can gives you the modeling layer. And then hook up Plaid so you can connect all your bank accounts and Astra, which is like a pretty cool product to connect. It's like banking APIs for moving money between different financial institutions. And so this could like basically help you set up an autopilot sort of system for profit first. So
1: what what do I think of it? Yeah. I was going to ask you, what's that first way you mentioned that people like their money management? Because that's what I do, (laughs) which is like just see what's left. spend it yeah make it spend it see what's left well that's kind of the whole thing is like generally like (laughs) that's what's
0: good about the book is it's basically like this is what everyone does so i mean in the book he basically suggests you literally open like 50 account not 50 but you everything is a separate bank account and then you move money around so that Mm.
1: you literally can't see the money like so is it supposed to help you from like spending too much money in one area is that kind of the the je- I mean, because I would ha- say at a high have- level, the
0: idea is just to be deliberate about what you're trying to do and designing it. I mean, that's how I would summarize it is like, be intentional and design your system. And so he creates a system that if you just follow the steps, you can create a simple system that fits with how you already think, which is bank balance accounting, as he calls it. So yeah, you can have a spreadsheet and you can like put categories in mint or whatever. But at the end of the day, you look at your banking app and you see what the number is. And that's what you look at, right? That's what everyone does. So his thing is like, just Don't try to like work around that. Just lean into it and make your accounts such that like your money moves out into a separate place where you can't touch it.
1: So that whenever you look at your balance in your spend account, like you can just spend it. Oh, I see. So the spend account is what you would like hook up to like a credit card or something. And then that's the only area that you have money to spend. And then these other accounts like. Receive money, but you're not doing anything with this.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be kind of like out of sight, out of mind. I mean, catch, gotcha. which I've mentioned, so, I think before, is kind of a same idea. Like Yeah. You get your paycheck and
1: automatically take 30% of the taxes somewhere you can yeah. see, you know. Yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, so like that person that's starting that business, I don't know who this person is. Hopefully they I don't know if they're listening to this, but I do think that it's really hard to get people to like I mean, you have set out and like you did a lot of research, meaning like you read the book, you agreed with what was in the book, and you like really focused on like building this out for yourself. I feel like getting a bunch of people to like change the way that they would manage their money, having not read this book is going to be kind of hard. You know what I mean? Like that was like, I feel like the book is what got you to move. Like if people don't read that book, I mean, you can't like expect that. Hey, like, you want to buy my SaaS product? Read this book first. (laughs) You know, it's like I know they'll like break it down to like a simpler version of that, but I mean, there is an
0: educational component. I would say I don't know how big, but there are like subreddits and like there's communities around this stuff. So,
1: well, if you sell into
0: the, I don't know what the you know cost of this will be or anything, but I think you could probably sell it into that. Yeah, extremely easily. But yeah, and what's cool about this is that since it uses Astro, like you don't have to move. Like I've done this on the personal side. I've moved money to different institutions and stuff. And it's kind of a hassle, obviously. Right. So if you can like automate that, I mean, I would think in some ways it's like, don't read the book, just like click here. And I mean, you have to obviously buy into the concept, but the idea is that like, it should fit with your brain already because it's just like, look at your balance and that's what you have kind of thing. But anyway, TBD,
1: but I'm excited to see people trying it, you know? Like, I do think it's one of those concepts that I don't know if like people will like, Jump on board with this, although you said there's like a community, so those people probably would, but like it is one of those moments in time where, like, I think it's probably good if people did that because there's so many people that are in debt, whether it's, you know, credit card debt or mostly like student loan debt. So, like, this type of change to the way that they manage their money would be pretty beneficial to them, I think. Yeah. If you could like
0: last long enough to become the, like the first thing people do instead of like re-educating everyone like i don't know if you were like 20 and you saw this and just did it you know like that was your first experience with banking (laughs) or you know what i mean yeah that would be ideal but that's obviously easier said than it's so hard
1: for people like taking on this as a concept for how you manage money is kind of about discipline even if you are moving that stuff automatically like you know that it's there you know you have more money that's there but it takes work to go get it so i think that's Uh, the big thing
0: is like you're feeding into like the laziness factor which is like open your thing. Here's what's left. All the other stuff you can't see and to go get it is like effort. So you won't. But like
1: it. the one thing that people will like spend effort to do is like go do. Bad. Well, but maybe at that point, it's like you earned it. Like it's your fault now. Like you did it. You have like blood pressure issues and you're overweight. Like you probably should just like like you think they just lay around and be lazy and like flop on the couch. But like, oh, I need to get McDonald's. So like I'm going to get up and like go drive and get McDonald's, you know, because like I want that. I could see that being like a problem. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I mean, I think it's, especially if there's like a community around that already. Yeah, and I don't know how Summit will play
0: in, but like a big thing I've personally found missing in this is like a visual builder component. Like, because I think it's much easier to grasp for someone who isn't like, especially if you're not a developer, but also if this like concept doesn't make sense to you. Like, right. here's like a big pile of money and you're going to like funnel it into these little boxes, like a flow chart sort of thing. So we'll see if that, gets pulled in
1: would there be like an automatic i know we're past time but yeah we're (laughs) would there be like a template or something that this all fits into or are they gonna have to like set this model up themselves or is that already set up i mean both it's templatized in like so
0: the profit first like methodology is templatized like to me a cool thing here would just be like a canvas that you can just design whatever you want but you would definitely want like click here for profit first and it just like pre-populates your thing I'm sure that's how it'll start because the blank page can be a little scary if you don't know what you're doing, obviously.
1: Yeah, I got scared when I went in there. This was before their their newest, like, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely, I don't know if it's the right product for me. Like, I don't know if I'm the customer, but like, it looks, if somebody knows what they're doing, I mean, it's like, you know, it's the same thing as you, I don't know, like using a certain like programming language or something. It's like, I'm not the customer, obviously, but like, yeah. You seem to, like, fly on that thing. So, like, yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> let's, let's, It'll be cool let's do it. when it's more,
0: like, you tie it into other things because then the model becomes, like, a program yeah. that just lives there and you don't have to look at it too much. right? So, yeah, anyway. that's cool. Next. Okay, next. Ding, ding. Okay, so we have three more, or no, maybe four. Meta stock meta price piece. and earnings situation and, I guess, daily act or whatever, DA, was it daily active users? Is that right? Yeah. Various goings on of meta and the pseudo- the perhaps fall of Facebook, minor dip of Facebook. What? Yeah. I guess specifically, we were going to talk about like the impact on businesses, especially because a lot of businesses in our world are running ads
1: there. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously in the past, I don't know, what, like three years or whatever, there's definitely been this sort of movement to both in the public eye to like demonize Facebook for good reason, a lot, for a lot of the reasons. And then I think just, like, legally, like, from different, like, countries and stuff, also demonizing them and, like, trying to, you know, reap rewards in certain ways. Like, legally, you know, like, through GDPR and stuff. But, yeah, I think, so the weird thing is, or, like, the kind of, like, unforeseen thing, you know, everybody's, like, hating on them. It doesn't seem like there's, like, any bright light for them. Obviously, they just had a bad earnings call where a number of the usage stats have dropped quite a bit. There's a bunch of other things. I don't remember what all was said on the earnings call, but it like, it basically was just like all like bad stuff. And of course there's also the iOS privacy stuff. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. it was a lot of bad, like future stuff. So like, actually their numbers Beginning of a bunch of bad. (laughs) Yeah. Their numbers are still like great. Like revenue wise, their numbers are insane. Like they're, incredibly profitable it's basically like this was the first time those things
0: had dipped in like exactly what a billion quarters basically well
1: yeah because it's like for the past three years again like demonized by the public demonized by politicians demonized by countries like everything has been bad from a public eye kind of thing but their numbers are so incredibly good that like that's the only thing like keeping them afloat constantly (laughs) and then finally like you know numbers dropped and so now everything is dropped basically but i've read some different things and like listened to some podcasts and whatever and it's like everyone's kind of like yeah it's like this is bad like they could just totally dwindle away into nothingness and there doesn't seem to be like an easy strategy to get them back into the good graces like once you lose your users i don't know i've never built a social network i don't know anything about that so But it seems like it's just like, it's basically you're done after that. Yeah. I mean, I guess
0: there's like stuff about the youth,
1: not like yeah,
0: TikTok. Yeah. Losing the younger demographic and TikTok eating their lunch and
1: whatever. I mean, Instagram is, I guess, okay. But yeah. Yeah. You can't just be like IBM and like, oh, we put servers in that business like 10 years ago and they're just still spinning in there. Like, that's not the way it works. Like they, you know, when it's all about attention, it's different so anyways but i think like the thing that people don't think about that much or at least like especially like the politicians and stuff who you know i would assume are all like pro like small business and all that kind of stuff like if as facebook falters it's going to be very bad for small businesses specifically small businesses that like you know really rely on facebook as their you know facebook ads as their area of growth You know, you can say whatever you want about Facebook, but it's like their ads business has been like the number one growth lever for tons of the, you know, a lot of these like direct to consumer businesses, SaaS businesses. And I just think that as these things fall, like from an earning standpoint, like the only strategy they have, if the usage stuff falls, is that they have to raise prices. Like, they'll have to continue to raise prices on what makes them money, which is the ads, which will start to, you know, basically make it so that some of these small businesses don't have the profits they once had because Facebook advertising has been like pretty inexpensive for a long time. So it could really just crush small businesses, which I don't think anyone's talking about. So it's like, I wonder if all this. I don't know, just like hating on Facebook and stuff from, you know, everyone from just like the public to politicians or whatever, like will shift at all. Or if, you know, because of the fact that it's going to like this could destroy a lot of small businesses or if it'll just like continue as is. Like they're just yeah. basically like the person that you love to like bully or like not bully, but like you love to, <laughs> that's not the right word. Like the person you love to hate, like the person with a punchable face, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. Punch- punchable
0: Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, also I'm still calling it Facebook, so you're welcome. Yeah. I think it's interesting because like, obviously, I mean, for us, that doesn't really affect us, fortunately, but if I'm in a business where I've been leaning heavily on that as like a distribution channel, then obviously I'm thinking about that and maybe not thrilled about the downfall of Facebook from that angle. But on like a broader timescale and like societal scale, I'm like, I think it's still probably fine. Like, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't have Facebook and everyone was like the world looked a lot different in a lot of different ways, but there were like small businesses selling stuff. And I mean, e-commerce was like in its infancy to some extent. So we haven't even seen what that might look like, but, or I should say 20 years ago, 10 years ago, there was Facebook. 20 years ago, there was no Facebook. The founder
1: of Native, you know, that like arm deodorant brand? Yeah, yep. So like a pretty big D2C brand. I didn't read it, but I saw some stuff about Shopify. Kind yeah, of like. Shopify dropped like 20% today, which is pretty crazy. Some of it had to do with like, some of the numbers and stuff, but some of it like did have to do with Facebook, like the Facebook earning call because they feel that those two companies are so kind of like symbiotic. Like the people that are creating these small businesses on Shopify are so reliant on Facebook to grow the business as their like main channel. It's not just Facebook, but obviously like Instagram is probably even, you know, yeah, for like probably growing stuff. bigger than, yeah, exactly. So I just think, it's definitely not a good sign for both of those companies, but like I mean, in the long run is it better the or worse? I'm like maybe this is just fine cuz like we can't just run up the stock 50% year
0: over year forever. But yeah. I kind of think it'd be fun. Like again, I don't have a dog in this fight in terms of like losing a business that is fueled by Facebook, but I don't know. Like it also if you think about it like search ads or SEO or like all these different distribution even cold email to some extent like there's always this like arc, right? That they follow of like no one's doing it and it's super effective to like a lot of people start doing it, it gets more expensive and then no one's doing it or a lot fewer people are doing it or they have to change how they do it. And you kind of move from thing to thing. So this one's a big one obviously, but I don't know. This too shall pass.
1: Yeah, I think that like if they were to like kind of like fizzle away and die or whatever, I don't know about die, but like fizzle away to something that's not really not relevant anymore. Not even is dead yet, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there'll always be something else right like something else will take its place yeah in exactly this, like it'll in be this case, tiktok or yeah a chinese company can take its place Yeah, yeah. something cool <laughs> okay yeah, We will be there'll be something so i guess sort of related was
0: the talk about sky high like super high valuations for like i don't don't even get me started about like pre-seed and seed and all this garbage but yeah super high valuations and sort of like how is that going to play out with as the financial picture changes. I don't know if you had specific examples, but it's kind of like go on Twitter and search for like yeah.
1: funding and you'll see you'll see a million examples. I mean, yeah, during the pandemic obviously the public markets were going insane with valuations and that was causing I feel like startup valuations are already getting like pretty insane and then the pandemic hit and then the public markets went up and then like people were IPOing and getting these like insane valuations like at ipo which was then causing the private companies to get insane valuations because oh wait they could ipo one day and be (laughs) so it's like everybody was getting these it was just this thing that just kept growing and so all these companies have gone out and raised at these insane like i have someone close to me that is interviewing at different companies and whatnot and like they interviewed this company that has less than a million dollars in revenue. And I'm pretty sure it's like, let's say it's like closer to zero, basically. (laughs) They raised money. I forgot how much money, but like pretty significant, like 30 or 50 million or something total. In their last round, they raised at a $425 million valuation. And that's what their revenue is. (laughs) Like this is like a SaaS company. So like... Obviously, that's like a pretty crazy, kind of a crazy one, but I got to think if, like, if there's crazy. one of those, there's got to be a, a lot of these. And then on top of that, you have some of these new, you know, traditionally, it's been like traditional VC, you know, whatever, Andreessen and Horowitz, like these kind of players. And now there's this other level, like SoftBank and Tiger Global and some others that in some ways this i guess is good for the founder maybe but they're supposed to be like super founder friendly basically they don't really care about some of these wild valuations like they'll just do it at that valuation like just to ensure that they are the ones that get in and so obviously they don't get as high of like a return but still they get like you know if these companies become the next stripe or whatever they get insane returns maybe it's not like insane plus but it's like you know it's still insane so it's been working for the most part like they've had incredible return on investment for like all of their funds so it seems to be working just to like you know we'll give you whatever you want just if we can get in basically but and there's a pump and dump component of this yeah as well. like
0: if you know it's going to run like your time horizon can change but if you know you're early in the series and it's super high right. and you can get it to go up a little bit yeah you can pull money out like it's yeah, I don't know. All that stuff crazy. scares the crap out of me personally. I mean, obviously, we have not gotten anywhere close to that, and that's on purpose. But like, can't imagine what it would feel like to be in that situation if you're the expectations. Like, I mean, that's I that's would have the only myself, expectation.
1: Yeah, you know, that becomes the only thing that matters at that point. Like, so that's the whole problem with this thing is like, well, if these companies are raising, you know, let's take that company for example, is that like they have raised at this insane super insane valuation at less than a million in revenue like how do they get to the next round clearly they're going to have to get to a next round like that's the only way they're going to be able to like survive basically or they just die but like how in the world are they going to get to that valuation like especially now that so now everything has changed like basically overnight all the public valuations as protect companies have dropped like at least like 50 percent and then you know, that's now moving down into the private markets. So all the valuations are dropping. How in the world are they gonna raise the next round at it at a valuation that is more than that at the revenue that they're currently at? Like even if they crush it, they're not gonna be able to raise it. You know what I mean? Like even if they got to like they go from like, you know, close to zero to ten million in like a year. That's amazing. That's awesome. In any normal <laughs> circumstance, but they're still not going to be able to like. They still wouldn't be worth four hundred twenty-five million. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah well, they'd have to make help. enough
0: to at least not need the money for a little bit. You know. Yeah, exactly. That, that's why I just. I mean, I know there are situations where fueling, like, I don't know, burning cash and raising money are very important aspects of succeeding. Like businesses that are not like ours, where that's very much necessary or very much helpful. But as a default, I'm just like, I can't imagine, like, I don't know, signing up for that where my company has no money, no revenue to speak of, has a huge, like, has a very wild cap table and inflated valuations. And I have a team and I'm burning money. And my only focus is like, who am I going to raise money from again? Like, I just, it's like life support. I just don't really get it. Like, it seems like such a mistake to be in a situation where you have no other option. Like, especially if you're making, I mean, again, maybe this business is not a good example, but- If your business is making like a million bucks and it's like a paid product with like even like semi-repeatable or known distribution channel, like you should have a viable business. Maybe it's not a billion dollar company,
1: but like you should be able to make money, you know? Well, this company, the interesting thing about this particular example, which I think is probably very similar to a lot of these examples, is that the investors, like the particular investors they have are very highly... I mean, they're like top five investors in terms of like their reputation. Yeah. Like they're good investors and they invested at that valuation. So then you sit there and you're like, what? Like, am I crazy? Like, what am I not seeing here? Like, this doesn't make like common sense. But that's where I'm sort of start to feel, I don't know. Maybe I am missing something, but I still would like stay away.
0: You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to play that game because it's scary. But yeah.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of companies that basically either have to do like a fire sale or just like die and go away.
0: The other little grift here is crowdfunding. (laughs) It's not totally fair to call it But
1: they also can try to raise money from random people who don't know what they're doing. So that's a thing. I feel like that's going to like die out a little bit, at least in the short term because of inflation and all these different things people have a little bit less money it's not as like bubbly right now especially over the next year as like rates change and all this kind of stuff but what will be interesting is in like let's say like 2 to 3 years all these companies that raised all that money and like they were actually like decent businesses but like they couldn't keep pace with the insane valuations and they had to like die off or whatever like i wonder if there's going to be a bunch of opportunities for smaller company like bootstrappers or like people that you know didn't raise at those kind of valuations you know to you know win in those markets or jump into those markets and build stuff that you know similar it's kind of like what tuple i don't know if that's what they did but like that's sort of what happened right is like you had like a company that built something really cool and then sold to slack and it just like died out that kind of stuff happens all yeah, the time Yeah, totally
0: especially they do all the hard like let's say they're doing all the education or they yep. Make people understand what they like about a thing and then you can just slide in and like become a viable business. (laughs) Like especially if they're doing like a couple million in revenue, it's like, oh, that's a great business. Perfect.
1: Exactly. And if you're a user of that first product, you know, you sort of have like build all these opinions about what you like about it, what you don't like about it, that sort of stuff. And then it becomes easier for you to build it all out. Like if you want to. I think there's gonna be a bunch of those businesses in like the next two years that are really good businesses if you don't raise at insane multiples and then the like the next group of people that do start those businesses will actually have like a ton of success with those like markets or ideas or whatever
0: so anyways yes i have
1: really fallen down on
0: the timer but yes that's okay but we have two more quick ones one i just started the timer four minutes this is sort of like a off topic but i've been using centered app i think i've maybe mentioned it i've been using it actually for a while they've released i don't know v3 or v4 whatever we're on now but i actually started using it a couple years ago and it had some of the current features but they've redesigned and brought a bunch of new stuff in but the same core which is make a task list and then and like go into focus mode and like put music on and do it it's like pomodoro style so it's 25 minutes on with five minute breaks by default you can configure some of that stuff pomodoro is that like the pasta Pomodoro is (laughs) what is it's a what is that (laughs) tomato timer it's just like a methodology for okay so that's the 25 on 5 off thing but so one thing I used to I've tried this Pomodoro thing before like many years back and the thing I never really liked was like my tasks usually aren't 25 on and 5 off but with centered the thing that I like is you give each task a time and then that sort of persists separate from like the session time so you can say, like, this thing's gonna take me an hour, and then like you'll still take a break every 25 minutes. And you can obviously like play the break if you don't want to pause. But your task time's still separate, which is kind of cool. So anyway, but I know I'd send it over to you. I don't yeah. I know you've used a little bit
1: any initial yeah. reactions. Yeah, I I mean, I have used it like the last couple of days. I guess I haven't built like a habit of like going to it like immediately when I start my day. And then I have more calls, maybe, than you. I don't know. Or at least I have more customer calls than you do. So in those particular scenarios, like I definitely don't go to it. I'm not turning it on. So maybe I think I need to use it a little bit more to like build the habit of using it. But when I have used it, it's been good. I wish I could change the music. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you can change it. I don't remember if it's premium only, but you can change it to Spotify.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would love to move it to like just something else. But yeah, they have like built-in music yeah it's not horrible but (laughs) five stars not horrible have you tried like keeping your camera on (laughs) i know you have. oh no i I don't (laughs) yeah that's some of the new stuff like in the
0: old version they didn't even have any of that stuff so i just got used to using it without that and now so -hmm. like you can do like co-working sessions basically where you turn your camera on and you can have like flow groups and you can like stare at each other in the corner of the screen (laughs) it's so which i think is a cool i think there's a lot of people who would like that and i've seen a lot of products around that but for me i'm just like no thanks I could see it being interesting to do it with like your team or something, but I just feel like we're so async. Are you working? Yeah. (laughs) Like
1: we aren't all working at the same time. That's like part of the point. So, yeah, I don't know. It's been good. I wanted a simple to do list kind of thing because I mostly just use like the iPad pencil and just like I literally just write to do's. So, yeah, it's been good from that perspective. And I do like kind of going into the little like time limits and stuff like that. But yeah, I haven't yeah, built it like a habit around calendar.
0: yet. Like, they have a calendar thing too, which I used to use more, but you can like sync your Google Calendar. So you can like actually, this is something I get through phases of being good about, but you can actually schedule the work too, which is pretty cool. Like you can literally drag a block on your calendar for the day. And then like, that's a really good way to force yourself to do the thing you said you wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Like, and you can like do it around the calls.
1: Yeah. You know, when I didn't use it is when I went down the rabbit hole of like, Changing the look and feel of our website. <laughs> and then I don't know if you've seen that today, but I've, uh, yeah, I haven't
0: looked. It hasn't made it into my centered flow list or
1: whatever. Well, when next time you go to the website, you'll see a different look. I don't think anything's broken, but perfect. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, it's definitely cool. I'm going to keep trying to use it for the next couple of weeks and see if I build some habits around it. And
0: I also, None of these things are novel, but I found very effective to just like the night before spend five minutes and write down the tasks that I'm going to do the next day. And like, I find that when I wake up and I go, I just leave the app open, like taking over the whole screen. And then I just sit down and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to do to try to like avoid just getting lost in the BS. But yeah, stay tuned for more on that. Okay, so we have five minutes left before this thing cuts us off. So our last topic was before we hit record, Landon was referencing a Super Bowl commercial or something, I think. So the last topic was, what was your favorite part of the Super Bowl?
1: Or did you watch the Super Bowl at all?
0: (laughs) And my response was, I did not watch the
1: Super Bowl. So I have have no favorite parts. That's embarrassing.
0: It's not like a comment that I didn't watch it.
1: It's just, that's just what happened. I don't understand how that's possible. Like people like build their like days around that, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) or build their weekend around that. But the funniest part was you were like, yeah, I was just watching some other (laughs) TV. Like you literally were watching TV. You had the TV in front of you. Well, not when it started. I mean, so it started, I'm like hanging out with my kids. We're not yeah. we're like,
0: then we eat dinner and then I put them down for bed. Like by then it's like 738 and I eat dinner.
1: What did you watch?
0: <laughs> I'm assuming we probably watched The Righteous Like Jones The Office so or
1: something? That. No, oh, we're my streaming gosh. The
0: Jones. But I also like, I started watching TV midway through the game and stopped watching TV. You know, I went to bed probably before the game was even over, so you know it is what it is like my sports habits have very
1: much fallen by the wayside trying to find time to do like yeah but it's what i consider to be more super bowl it's a super bowl like the super bowl is more than just the game you know it's like it's the game you know it's the commercials it's the halftime especially the halftime show i can't believe you missed the halftime show i heard good things about the halftime show kyle's a rapper like (laughs) you missed the halftime show it was like honestly i was surprised like i thought it was going to kind of suck because you know they're sort of i don't know i just felt like some rappers don't perform well live in my opinion well, some stadium do sound can be pretty stadium tanky. sound like they're all sort of like they're probably like not on top of their game anymore you know like they're not like performing all the time they're doing other stuff with their you know they have businesses and i just thought like it's probably gonna suck dude it was awesome it was the best halftime show they've done in a long long time since probably like Bruno well, Mars uh, or whatever. I could yeah, I watched on YouTube or something. It was awesome and it's just like nostalgic too no ads by the way. So, it's a feature. Especially for us cuz it was like it's all the people, you know, it was like very much like throwback to like the like early 2000s like hip hop scene. Well, that's when I, mean, I saw like a lot Outcast. of people complaining about Atlanta's halftime show, which happened when I know, it came, God. but it was like it just was a reminder of how bad that was. And it could have been so great, but that was a time in the world where yeah, they just didn't want to do it, which makes sense. Yeah, United is better about incorporating like
0: actual Atlanta music acts. But anyway. Yeah. But yeah, so I did not watch it. My favorite part was trying to remember who was playing in the game. My neighbor asked me like <laughs> earlier that day, he's like, So who you got? And I was like, I literally don't remember. I was like, okay, let me think. Matt Stafford. That's like all I could drum up. So which is kind of funny too, because obviously one of the storylines is like a kid that we went to high school
1: with is like the coach of the Rams.
0: So twist. Yeah. <laughs> but he learned everything from me. So. And a Georgia guy,
1: like someone kind of from Georgia. Like he went to school in Georgia, even though you hate Georgia. I mean, not really, but I'm supposed to. I, guess. I mean, there was a ton of good storylines. Like it was such a good. And I heard the game was really good, too. So maybe I'll watch some
0: highlights. Yeah, the I game mean, was often, good. to be fair, two teams that no one really cares about. And like if it's not your team, you don't care as much. And then you have like a lot of times
1: the games are like not as good.
0: Right. I mean, that definitely happens.
1: The best part about that day was that Tom Brady tweeted out a picture of his phone calendar that said, like, Super Bowl at, (laughs) and he's just like, shit, that's all it said. (laughs) Like, he just like, that was the best part of the whole day. Tom Brady wasn't in it. And I just can't believe he didn't, that's wild to me. Like, I don't know anyone that would just not, I mean, I know some people that wouldn't watch it because like, I would expect them not to watch it. Like, you don't watch anything. They don't want to watch any sports. But, like, I'm just surprised that someone that is a fan of football and other sports didn't even, like, turn it on. I brought You, you should have come game. up. I had a Super Bowl party, for God's sakes. I had, like, <laughs> we had, like, a huge, like, a massive spread of everything. And now we have, like, 20 seconds left <laughs> yep. until this we thing have, cuts we're out. We're going to just get cut off. Should we just let it get cut off?
0: That would be a perfect ending. That would actually be kind of funny. But, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, well, also I'm gonna break your heart more, but that might not even be the first Super Bowl I have not watched. So it might be, I think, but in the past couple of years it's been a little fuzzy. I mean, the Falcons didn't didn't do me any favors by breaking my heart. So
1: the main reason to watch the Super Bowl is just to be like, oh man, there's like we only get one more of these things for like such a long time. And sports suck. Like this is the gap of time where sports are awful. Yeah. Well, United's playing. Nothing. Four, three.
0: <laughs> okay. Well. All right, see you next time. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>